Welcome to the Marketing Solutionaire, where we dig into the roots of great enterprise marketing. I'm your host, Chris Kaler, founder and CEO of Emsphere. In this podcast, we seek out the secrets to success in driving high utilization, adoption, and value from marketing technology with an eye toward building a community of excellence that drives our field forward together. So whether you're an established enterprise marketing leader or on your journey to become one, you're in the right place. And now, on to the show. Today, we had the pleasure of speaking with Francisco Ruiz, Senior Vice President of Advisory Services at Emsphere. I met Francisco over 20 years ago. I was consulting at Lowe's and he was consulting for MediaBin, a software digital asset management platform. And we bumped into each other because we needed to implement a dam at Lowe's. Today, we uh, talked about some of the changes in the marketing landscape over the past 20 years and the need to always be learning, whether you're on the marketing side or the technology side. We also spoke about the convergence of the marketing world and the technologist. And at that intersection, the key to success is both sides coming together. Francisco, thank you for taking the time out of your uh, busy schedule today to talk with me and our listeners Uh, I know I'm very excited to jump into this conversation, as I know our users are also. But why don't we start off with, who's Francisco Ruiz? What what is your professional journey? Where did you start? What have you been through, just to give us the context of who we're going to be hearing from today? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for uh, having me here today. It's going to be, it's a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Uh, we go back, you know, I don't know if everybody knows, we go back 20 years, you and I, but, uh, so to answer your question, I'll go back to the beginning. Don't hold, right? Hey, so, don't hold that against me. Yeah. <laughs> um, it all started, you know, the very beginning, I was a software engineer. I mean, I came out and I was literally a C programmer working for Bolt Brannock and Newman up in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Did that for a couple of years, you know, in the basement, no windows, just uh, very technical stuff. Then from there, I went off to business school. I went to the Wharton School and ended up at McKinsey. So think of, you know, the opposite end of the extreme. And they took me to Portugal and they brought me to Atlanta as well. And then after that, I kind of went back to kind of where I started back into technology, but more on the application business side. So as a string of startups, one, we took public. The other two were successfully acquired. And uh, after that string of startups, that's pretty much about the time you and I met. Now, it turns out that most of that, um, just by luck or uh, coincidence, uh, was largely marketing related. Even in my days at McKinsey, I was doing a ton of marketing strategy, uh, export strategies, pricing analysis, uh, buyer behavior, that kind of stuff. It just turned out that way. And it turned out that I was, uh, you know, a lot of these early stage technology companies, by definition, you're doing that when you're trying to carve out a niche for yourself. And sometimes it's a new niche that doesn't exist. So uh, this marketing stuff was always, you know, just in, in, you know, surrounding me. And uh, so upon completion of that third startup, I just went straight into the MarTech uh, space uh, head on. And uh, that's where I've been ever since. And my role has always been like one foot in the technology and one foot on the business side. 
Uh, so I tend to get pretty dirty on the technology, rolling up my sleeves and making that happen. But I tend to also talk a lot with uh, senior executives uh, from C-suite on down and help them do that translation, understand, well, here's what you're trying to do, the, the needs, and have that conversation in English, translate that back to binary so the developers can understand, and then back and forth, uh, you know, mapping those two worlds together into a solution that is uh, you know, attractive and uh, helpful, uh, what I always say, supremely helpful to the end user, but also uh, viable and sustainable and, uh, and efficient and everything else, given the nature of the technology uh, platforms that are chosen for that. Yeah. So that's pretty much what I've been doing That in that space of you know, 20 years. That's the time you and I have been uh, working together. And uh, in the MarTech space, it's been... Certainly, you know, marketing operation software, workflow, campaign management, that kind of stuff, marketing automation, outbound emails, that sort of thing, e-commerce, digital asset management, integration, analytics, and you name it. I've been all over the the stack pretty much. Yeah, and if I, uh, memory serves me right, uh, back in... 2002, uh, you and I first bumped into each other when I was doing some consulting for Lowe's in their marketing department, and they were looking for uh, digital asset management uh, workflow. Never knew you, and somehow I stumbled upon you in Atlanta, somewhere in the lab doing something with MediaBin. That's right. And in fact, uh, all the people at MediaBin, the leaders of that organization, I'd worked with at, at the prior startups. In fact, the first one that we took public, that's where I met that crew and we're friends to this day. So uh, it's funny how the, uh, those relationships go back decades and uh, they're all, we're all together uh, even yeah. now. So it's been quite a ride. So mm, over about 20, over 20 years ago. So let me uh, transition into... Hey, since we first met to over 20 years ago, what are and 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 being emerged into the enterprise marketing space, uh, both on the technology and up at the C-suite or or whatever level of uh enterprise marketing leadership, what are some of the changes that you've seen over the past 20 years and of those changes, what challenges are do those changes really present to marketers today? Well, I think the the biggest change is that there's nothing but change, and and it's not slowing down. If anything, it's escalating that that curve. I mean, just look at the chief Martech stack, uh, the the marketing technology landscape. Um, I think the most recent one showed something like 11,000 solutions. Go back 10 years, it was about 1,000, right? So think about this. There's been about a tenfold increase in a decade. Just that's what's available out there. So if you think of just the uh, the players in the space, the categories of software, there are categories in the MarTech space that didn't even exist back then. And certainly the leaders of those categories, you know, it, it, it's quite fluid. I mean, it changes every two to three years, basically. And then uh, the way that that those solutions are delivered, right? I mean, just obviously 10 years ago, you have much more on-prem going on. Now it's not that, right? 
So uh, that idea that there's just an avalanche of technology and it's not slowing down. And, uh, and then the volume of work, right? The amount of content you're producing that has escalated like crazy in the digital world. How do you get your arms around that? And that I think is the biggest challenge is how do you make sense out of an exponentially increasing pile of stuff, right? So um, it, it takes a lot of effort to stay on top of that. The good news, I think, is that you don't need to know it all. The idea is to, you know, stay current and be able to understand which are the ones that matter the most, right? Of all that, to distill it down to the three or five that really uh, are, are going to make a difference for what you're trying to achieve. And that, that, so that would be, you know, the, the, the advice I would give most people uh, or most you know, technology or, or marketing leaders is try to understand, stay on top of things. That doesn't mean you have to know it all. You have to basically understand the themes, the trends, and, uh, and, and, uh, and just read a lot. Stay, you know, read a lot so you can un- distill it down to the, the key themes that are going on, the key leaders, and keep your eye on them. You got to stay close to it. Otherwise, you're going to be left behind and uh, you're not going to make the right decisions, basically. Yeah. So let's unpack that uh, a, a little bit more and talk about that uh, ideal marketing leader, whether it's a stakeholder, the business owner of a marketing technology, marketing solution management initiative. Let's take it from ideal customer profile to ideal marketing owner, stakeholder, leader uh, with a technology. What does that profile look like today? And what type of skills uh, should they be equipped with? And, you know, at what level, like, hey, you need to know this, but maybe not down to this depth? Yeah, I mean, you know, I almost jokingly say that the idea of marketing is, is it doesn't really exist anymore. It, it's marketing is technology by and large. Uh, you can't be an effective marketing leader without having a visceral understanding of the technology that enables it. Uh, so it, from a skill set standpoint, you know, the, the days when I was in business school, they used to break us into, you know, the poets and the gearheads. And they're two fundamentally different cohorts. Um, I think you have to be both these days. Um, and in fact, uh, that's what I would encourage people to do that uh, learn, particularly on the technical side. I, I'm not saying you have to become a software engineer or a programmer, although that that helps to, to have that that depth of knowledge. But you certainly have to understand the concepts, how they work together, the analogies, you know, the uh, how just generally how these things work and how they can be brought to bear to solve business problems. Um, and, it, it, and for two reasons, number one, to make the right decisions, but also to be able to call people's bluff. When there's this much technology out there, there's this much sales going on. Uh, to be able to know when, you know, you're going to be fed a lot of information, a lot of persuasive information to get you to, to buy one or the other, to be able to call those bluffs and, and make the right choices, both near term and longer, longer term. So always be learning, uh, but don't, you know, learn on the technology side as well. Again, you don't have to be a programmer, but you should be uh, techno savvy and, and, uh, I don't know. Learning is fun. I do it routinely. Yeah. Now, granted, I started out that way, 
but um, it, it's empowering. It's uh, if you can be, you know, if you can do the, if you can write and add <laughs> to the math part, you know, all that's wrapped into one. Uh, it's a huge differentiator, and uh, and it'll serve you well. It'll serve your team well, and uh, and, and frankly, I, I wish it wasn't as scarce of a profile of a skill profile as it is, because I think it's so important. I think it's a critical factor to success these days to, to be able to span that range. Right. Be a critical thinker. So you also right. mentioned something, uh, <laughs> which I've heard you say before, uh, you know, uh, about marketing is technology and uh, the poets and the gearheads. So I'm, I'm visually thinking of a Venn diagram Poets, gearheads, right? Whether it's the poets of of marketing and the gearheads of technology, as you're talking about today, it's getting closer and closer, and there's a overlapping intersection. Uh, what what does that intersection mean in in terms of hey, that's a good thing, and this is what's going on inside of that? Yeah, it's uh, you know, again, understand the trends, but more importantly, understand the implications, right? Understand what these things are capable of doing within the context of the problems, the business problems you're trying to solve, right? The technology is not a destination. It's an enabler to do the business side. Uh, That's the way I think of it at least. So understanding, you know, you don't have to know the bits and bytes and exactly how it's coded, but you do need to understand the gist of what comes out of that and how they interoperate. And actually that interoperability piece, that's incredibly uh, uh, important these days and increasingly so. Uh, You're you're getting solutions that are heterogeneous rather than homogeneous, right? To the MarTech stack, there was a time when it was, you know, one vendor could provide many elements, if not all the elements of a solution. Now it's best of breed cobbled together through integration and automation. So that that alone, the integration piece of it and understanding how that works, that alone is a big area to, to really understand because it, it's uh, it's it's going to be a make or break uh, factor for success. Yeah. So, so let me ask you about that. Um, I'm keying on, you know, inside of this intersection, a lot of collaboration going on, but, you know, between the tech side and the marketing side. And there's this new profile emerging of technologists who are probably the same thing, becoming more marketers, marketers becoming more technology. Add to that uh, formula, uh, the growth and the marketing technology tools out there. You mentioned, you know, it's about this integrations and kind of the Versus yeah. best of breed. So what type of advice and how do you approach your customers when they're saying, where do I start? What do I do? I have this existing MarTech uh, stack. We're using this and this. Do I buy something? Do I build? Do I blend? What's the approach you usually take? Well, the first the first piece is what are you trying to achieve, right? Uh, you need a clear sense of the target, both near-term and long-term, right? Actually three steps, near, medium, and long-term. Get a clear sense of what what, what it means to win or to, to deliver a solution that is helpful to not just your team, but to all the teams. So spend a lot of time understanding what people 
uh, need, what the challenges are, uh, what the gaps are today, and try to come put that into a, uh, a, a you know a consistent uh, view of what what we call the destination, right? What if every, if we build something that looks like this, everybody there's something good for everyone. Start there, right? So that really kind of nails the business side. But then there's the technology side, which is the enabler, and that's this is the part that I think a lot of organizations. Uh, kind of leave for later. And I think it needs to be done at the same time almost, which is what you're trying to achieve has to be conceived within the context of the enabling technology. If you talk about requirements, just completely decoupled from the possibilities of the technology, you're probably going to paint yourself into a box, right? It's the idea of what can be done within the context of the chosen technology and chosen platforms. And there's usually some give and take. The kinds of things you'd like to do don't map directly or perfectly into what the technology is capable of. And then the flip side, there's things the technology can do that you didn't even uh, consider. Maybe you should take advantage of that, right? So, and there's going to be some workarounds. Some ideal uh, things that you'd like have to be tweaked or delivered in a different manner that people may not be familiar with. But what I'm trying to say is that context is enormously important. And unfortunately, I think it's something that is not, uh, you know, it's not escalated to the level of importance or severity that, you know, personally, I would like to see it. Uh, it, it, it a lot of organizations decouple, do the requirements, hand that off to a bunch of technologies, uh, technologists to build it. And I think they should be brought together, right, to, to, to your to your. Uh, point earlier about, you know, those two worlds coming together. It's best when you work right in the middle, which means you need the skill set. It also happens at the same time. One informs the other and vice versa. And the trick is that that mapping back and forth, you got requirements here, you got possibilities over there. And how do you translate that back and forth? And it's not a one-time thing. There's continual refinement between those two. And that's what leads to a well-conceived but viable and even sustainable solution because it's a natural fit for the platform and it, and it will be, it will deliver uh, helpful, you know, capabilities to, to, to facilitate problem solving, real world problem solving in the mind of the users. Great sage advice. And it's very, you know, when you distill it down, it's not rocket science, right? You know, in terms of, you know, what do you need, right? And no differently than if you take the technology out and what are these, we're talking about marketers implementing systems, but they are already marketers. And it's almost use your existing skill set. Think like a uh, marketer right? You have a product out there that you're building and you're trying to get out into the market. Yeah. In this case, it's your end users to produce something for your customers. Uh, so g- great point of view. Yeah. That, that idea of thinking like a marketer, that's you know a phrase that I, I say very often out there, which is, I guess we haven't talked about that piece. And I'm glad you bring it up, which is know your audience. That's what it means to be a marketer. What is your customer or your prospective customer thinking? That's far more important than what you're thinking, right? Your job is to try and find out what's swirling around in their head. And when you're certainly when you're conceiving what a new solution should be 
and even when you're uh, making enhancements or changes or continual refinement to an existing solution, it's all about the user. I mean, and, and it's amazing how they will tell you if you ask. They may not tell you literally build this, and all you got to do is like you know turn out your design document and off you go. You got to you got to decipher what they mean because they're not going to phrase it in exactly the way that, that it, you know because they don't understand the technology, right? Or at least not always. But they will tell you, and it's your job to ferret that out to be very you know like a good lawyer in a courtroom, interrogate the witness and get get the information out of them. But then. Uh, you know, take some turns on that and decipher that and, and turn it into what are the key elements when you translate that into the enabling technology that if I string it together this way or the other way, it'll really nail on what, what they asked you to, right? It, it's, a, it's there and it's, it's, the information is right in front of you. All you have to do is ask. And what I found is the, they love to be asked, right? right? I mean, people like to, uh, uh, they feel like you're paying attention to them, right? right. Uh, they welcome the conversation and it's your job to ask the questions, engage them, but then obviously, uh, you know, synthesize that, translate it into actionable changes or actionable, you know, solution configuration that will deliver on what they said, Right. And take some poetic liberty, right? Don't you know, go the extra mile, uh, fill in the gaps. Yeah, right. So let's um, let's uh, bounce from that idea of uh, that intersection of marketing and technology, as we've been talking about the last uh, whatever 10, 12 minutes. A lot going on in that intersection where marketing and, and yep. technology meets. Let's pivot that to um, the piece where. All right, we've gone live. Uh, we've rolled this out. Let's pretend it's the initial implementation. It's all about positive business outcomes. That means your end users who are using these systems, or even the end users of uh, at, at in the market. But let's talk about the the users within your enterprise. It could be external users using this enterprise class solution. In terms of user adoption, positive user sentiment, which uh, wrap that up in one package, you're you're shooting for user satisfaction. Tell me a little bit about that transition from going from building the house to now the family is walking in the front door with suitcases, going to move into it, live in it. Things are different, changing. How do you? How is that managed? And what are the steps that should be taken to uh, continue to nurture uh, that to make it a positive experience? Um, it, it's interesting because you're, you cross a chasm as you go from planning a solution to designing it to, to implementing it to actually rolling it out into continual changes. And and you know, basically early on, you're almost convincing somebody to embrace a new solution. Then after after that, you're getting you're trying to convince them to keep it, right? There's a difference between acquisition and retention, right? It's very just different. like marketing. You're trying to grow your yeah. business. You got to get customers right. and you got to retain them. Think like a marketer, right. right? So when you get into the uh, you know the post when you go live and everything, that's a game of retention, and uh, you can rely far less on things like um, you know 
communication and selling them and that they're going to rely on their personal experience with the solution for better or worse. Right. I mean, think about when you buy something from Amazon, right. Or anywhere you read the reviews that gets you to buy it. But then the thing arrives, you put it together, you take it out of the box, you put it together, you try it and you say, boy, this isn't quite what the review said. You pack it up and you return to sender. right? Right. In other words, the reviews, the, you know, the lobbying, the advertising, the, the, you know, the hearsay from others got you to buy it, but your personal experience gets you to keep it. That's, that's what you need to focus on uh, in the post implementation. Uh, make sure or always engage with the clients or with the users to understand how could it be better? What's missing and what what's missing, meaning what problems are they trying to solve that they are either unable to solve or can't solve it very well, or you got this half of the problem, you nailed that, but you forgot the other half or that kind of stuff. In other words, focus on the problems they are trying to, to, to solve in their day-to-day jobs and deliver like crazy on that uh, because there's, there's no more bluffing. There's no more fooling. They, they can see it. They can try it. And incidentally, you still need to, you know, do training and the usual change of management and all that. But at the end of the day, they're going to form a perception based on their experience. And rightly or wrongly, that becomes reality. Uh, So uh, you you need to deliver on that. So, Well, I I love the... Return to Sender, right? As some musical tunes were going through my head. That is, uh, in terms of customer or end user retention, that was a uh, great packaging of uh, what you don't want to happen. So in that spirit, what are some of the things that you're doing? Because you really can't, until the house is built, until that solution is rolled out, there is no one in the house. Let's take out pilots or prototyping. Uh, but what type of things can you be doing while that house is being built, while the requirements are going or step back even further in the planning or the discovery or the design? How what, What's your recommendation of how you introduce some of these key subject matter experts um, or potential change agents to help nurture that advocacy so that when they do come in, there are some champions in advocacy. Yeah. Well, um, obviously you need to be stay closer and engage them the whole way and actually teach them the other half, right? Teach them the possibility, show them the context, right? So that they can actually start to understand it. They can start to viscerally grasp what the future could hold, right? So your job is to not only capture the requirements from them, but also help augment their own knowledge of what the platform, the context is. This is the the box you get to play in. And here's the picture. Here's the the capabilities that could play out over time. So that you're, you're educating them, refining their thoughts, but also making sure that what they tell you is you've got to deliver on that. So show progress, right? If you, the worst thing you can do to, to lose uh, their, their attention is if they feel like they're telling you a bunch of stuff and they never see the light of day on that. Be very sure that you show tangible results, even small incremental results. Actually, that's very important, you know, just small, meaningful, incremental results that build on one another 
So they can kind of see, well, I told you all this and you actually delivered on this. And that was a good thing. And what's coming next. So be very methodical about the the building blocks that you put out there, that they they stack up to the full house, to use your language there. Right. And, uh, and think about it. You're, you're building excitement that way. You're, you're building credibility this way. Uh, you're getting people to, you know, when they see something, it's going to trigger more ideas in your head. Again, they know it's all there. You just got to listen to them. So they, they, that conversation becomes a feeding frenzy. The more they see, the happier they get. The more they tell you, you respond to that. Before you know, is is just turns the excitement carries you forward. Back to so. back to everything that you're talking about about uh, really wraps up under that. Think like a marketer, right? In in terms of building that, whether you're a marketing organization creating a new product or a service that you want to sell and retain customers, what you're talking about doing in your marketing in your technology project is build that awareness, understanding, buy-in to nurture that advocacy. And then when they do buy it, you know, your end users of the system aren't laying out cash on the table, but it is their time. And if they don't buy it and they don't have buy-in, I've seen it, they don't use it. So back to thinking like a marketer, I love that. through line of uh, your story. Let me, uh, last topic as we're running out of time before we wrap up, you talked a lot about from a user adoption, user satisfaction of, you know, the initial project and best practices. What about in those circumstances for our listeners out there that are, may have had and been on their solution for several years or many years, and they find themselves uh, with some negative user sentiment, low advocacy, uh, low adoption. What do you, what's your advice, recommendations of how do you go in and tackle that problem? Yeah. Uh, well, it all starts with, you know, talk to them, interrogate them, and get to the bottom of it. And you're trying to get to the bottom of causality, Right. Now, here's the thing that it's not always the technology that's causing a problem. It could be many things. It could be a process that was not well conceived to begin with. The technology implements exactly the process as it was conceived, but that process isn't really what the end users had hoped to see, right? So in other words, the implementation is true to the requirements. It was actually the requirements that were off, right? Or or the process. What I'm trying to say is, you know, when you have an adoption or a sentiment uh, problem, uh, understand the root cause. Is it technology? I mean, these these platforms work in a certain way that those things are out of your control. So understand how much of that is, okay, this is just the nature of the constraints that we were playing under. The good news is that a lot of it is totally in your control, right? There's a lot there that particularly with process and and marketing operations, uh, how things are structured, taxonomy, uh, how things are, you know, just presented, the sequence of the presentation, uh, focusing on, you know, three important things and nailing those as opposed to doing 20 things kind of lukewarm, you know, you you don't hit any of them, but you got 20 half-baked ideas rather than three that are absolutely nailed. 
at the end of the day, it has to be helpful. If, if it doesn't help the user uh, run faster and better in their day job, it, it doesn't matter. So you need to understand this is a tool. How, how can they apply this to solving their problems? And if it doesn't, uh, you'd be surprised. A lot of it is totally in your control. So that's the analysis I always do up front is how much is, you know, out of, out of your hands, that's, you know, peculiarities of the underlying solution or the underlying platform versus how much is totally things that you can influence and change. And almost invariably, it's more on things that you have control over. Uh, the answer should not automatically be throw it out and start over. Right. So I guess well, it's more like, well, wait a minute, reset, re, reconfigure, re, uh, re, you know, revamp a little bit and, uh, and, and you know, mold it a little, little more closely to what it has to do from the problem solving standpoint. Well, Francisco, as I always say when I get with you and we already shared that we bumped into each other over 20 years, you know, almost 21 years ago. You joined yeah. uh, Msphere. Let's see. I should probably know this off the top of my head. You, th- you throw the date out. It's probably. It was six years ago officially, but we were working together, you know, even alongside Msphere 10, 12 years yeah. ago. Yeah. If you could, as wrap it up, I hate to put you on the spot, but I, I love a one, two, three. Like for our listeners out there, uh, and what I meant to add on to my previous comment, I apologize, is that it's always a learning experience when I have a conversation with you. So thank you. I appreciate that. And I know our listeners have, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure, have pulled a couple of nuggets and sound bites out that uh, resonate with them. But if you could just neatly put a bow around this and and your parting advice on this conversation, if you could kind of sum it up, and I don't want to put a time out, but give me a 60-second summary. Uh, I'd say there's two or three times. The first one, you have to learn. Be be on top of things. Always in, uh, expand and enhance your personal skill set, your personal portfolio, be as vertically integrated as you possibly can. It'll make you more powerful. It'll make you, it's your own competitive advantage, right? And frankly, it's, it's the enabler to making the right decisions. Uh, learn everything you can, read a lot, but don't, don't shy away from the technology. Again, you don't have to be a coder, but you do have to understand the implications. And it's kind of fun. I do it routinely. Uh, the other is context, right? This idea of, Whenever you make uh, a decision on the business side, try to couch that within the enabling platforms, the enabling technology. It'll refine your thinking. It'll make sure that uh, you're, uh, you know, putting together ideas that are actually viable. And if you look at the, the enabling technologies, there's probably some things there that you didn't bargain for that once you discover them, you're going to want to take advantage of it. You'll be some pleasant surprises there. So context matters on both sides, on the, on the business side and on the technology side. And then the last one, this idea, I guess, of uh, you know, the whole adoption and uh, engagement thing, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's never done, right? And uh, this idea of people, users, it's a game of retention, right? It's not just a game of acquisition. If you want a, 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 
a solution that's sustainable, you got to make sure you're always on top of, of you know, how, is, how does the solution help your users run faster? And you do that by talking to, to your users, always staying close to them, always delivering incremental tweaks. And uh, again, it's about you know, retention is the name of the game, uh, even more so than acquisition. Well, thank you, Francisco. And as everyone's probably seen, as I'm leaning over writing notes down, to your point of always learning. When I chat with you, I'm always learning and everyone has seen my head lean over a little bit and I'm writing some notes to tuck in the back of my head. So thank you for joining us and sharing uh, with myself and our listeners today. Well, thanks for having me. And it's always fun to talk and uh, it's a great time today. All right. Thank you very much. (laughs) 